Hey, y'all, thank you for coming to hang out with Nikkel and Candace on the Front Porch Podcast, where we have intimate intergenerational conversations. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a cool drink, and we'll see you on the Front Porch. Welcome to the Front Porch Podcast, where we have intimate intergenerational conversations to connect build and learn from each other. I am Mikkel Brands Oliver, a millennial, and my lovely co-host is Candice, a Gen Xer. And on this episode, we're heading to the front porch to talk about money, 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 (laughs) financial health and fitness. Candice, who's joining us on the porch today for this much needed conversation? Much needed is right. Um, Joining us on the front porch today are Jamil Rogers-Thomas and D.A. O'Neill. Thank y'all for joining us on the front porch podcast today. Look, I'm ready for this conversation because we need to get with this this money thing and get folks together. So thank y'all for joining us. (laughs) Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. So, um, how about we start with uh, Jamil, and if you all will just tell the audience a little bit about yourself um, and what generation you are a part of. <laughs> so that's so funny, right? I don't know that I can be labeled with a generation. I kind of lay across all of them, but definitely um, right. right there with that millennial Gen X, um, kind of right there together. Um, I am Jamil Thomas, and I am an educator. Um, by degree. That's what I tell people. I've been in education for two decades. Um, Over the years, I have learned how to fuse um, financial literacy with my skills from coming from education to really help people build um, financial wealth and just to establish um, finances as a norm in their life instead of a negative thing. And so, Um, I've been blessed. My husband and I are here in Arkansas, and we've been blessed to be a part of an incredible team. We have a company called Thomas Legacy Services, where we, um, you know, in essence, just help people put together um, a plan from the time they get their paycheck until what we call end of life planning. So here I am. Thank you for having me. Gotcha. And I am D.A. O'Neill. I am a millennial. Um, and I work in financial services as well. Um, it's funny because working financial services, but I like to think of myself as an educator because where I'm passionate about is educating people about the language of money, um, mm-hmm. rather than selling anything. There's not anything we sell, but, um, I'm from Carrollton, Georgia. Um, I'm currently reside in Birmingham where my lovely wife and four-year-old daughter Um, We relocated here during the pandemic, um, and I'm a part of an independent financial services firm called IMC Financial Consulting, where we wear a lot of different hats, but my hats specifically revolve around financial education. Uh, We we are actually in some schools here in Birmingham and some other places where we're teaching financial literacy, and my title is a defensive planning specialist. So all things protection, legacy planning estate planning, things of that nature. Uh, that's pretty much where I, I have a foot in our operations in that space. So happy to be here and excited to talk about money. I'm excited Thanks. to hear about some money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got, we got the experts. We going to school. We going right. to school. We got the educators and the experts here for sure. 
All right. So Jamil and DA, we have something called rapid fire before we really dig into the topic. So with this rapid fire round, you're going to fill in the blank. I'll give you the sentence, but fill in the blank with the first thing that comes to mind. And we'll start with DA on this one. Ready? Okay. I'm ready. All right. I wish someone would have told me blank about money. It's rapid and I'm taking my time. Uh, I wish someone would have told me the language of money. Mm. And what I, I'll elaborate. What I, what I mean about that is the way that I was brought up, we place value in money, but I think money is the tool. So if, if you understand it as a tool, your emotions are not as tied to it, I think. And it's very hard when you, you've grown up a certain way with a certain mindset. You have to kind of unlearn a lot of the things that you learn about money because you'll often hear people say, if I just had this amount of money, I would do this. But if you don't, if you don't have the discipline, the intentionality, and the principles with $10, you're going to be the same way with $1,000. Come on. Mm. Come so on. That, 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 that's the first thing that comes to mind. It's that's standing where I'm standing today. First. Yes. Come on now. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jamil, what about you? What, what did so you feel for like? me, um, very related to that, I wish someone would have taught me the strategy of money. Mm. Um, like DA said, definitely using it as a resource to get where you're trying to go. Um, I think so many times we're taught to get a job and a career, but nobody tells us about having a plan for the money, right? We just get the money. And so what is the strategy to be able to get where we want to get using money as the resource and tool? Mm, the language of money and the strategy of money. Right. Come on, book titles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mikhail, what, what do you say? What what do you wish someone would have told you about money? Huh. Um, I'm gonna alter it a little bit. I I wish I would have listened to my mother earlier when she told me to save my money. <laughs> <laughs> Saving yeah. my money and and not and it doesn't have to be an astronomical amount. Um, mm -hmm. but to pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm still struggling with that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. so funny you say that. Cause I was even thinking about, about the question is relates to saving. And I kind of wish I knew more about, you know, that I would have been taught maybe more about what to do with my money other than saving. Like I, I knew the, I knew the idea of it. That don't, that does not mean that I did it. <laughs> let me just correct myself. You know, let me correct that. But just, what more can I do with my money? What more should I be doing with, with my money? In addition to the fact that um, the reality that being poor is expensive. Hmm. Come on. And, it, and it's money related and it's, it's health related. You know, I mean, that, mm -hmm. it's expensive. And so there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to know about money, as you all said, as a resource, as a tool. Yeah. But there's, there's so much more that you can actually do with it to have um, to enrich your life and to, I don't know, maybe support and enrich the lives of the people around you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yep. 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 So I, I, I needed a whole lot of lessons. <laughs> and the early, the earlier you save, 
the more you have the ability to grow. And to your point, once mm -hmm. you learn how to save, your best investors are your best savers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're just okay. moving, okay. they're moving money from one from one bucket to another once they fill one up. Mm. Hmm. I'm still, I still haven't learned that well. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be asking the next question. I was processing. Okay. <laughs> um, so here, here's kind of the question to get us started with this topic. So um, if you all will tell the audience, just how do you define financial freedom? Hmm. How do you define that? Let's start with Jamil. How do you define financial freedom? Um, now that I've had the opportunity to walk in it, I think hmm. um, financial freedom to me is the end result of being disciplined with your money and resources. Um, because when the discipline is there, I always hear like a, a lot of people in um, that train for different things, right? Um, especially in the world of athletics. And they always talking about, I have to be disciplined, right? There's a diet, there's some type of structure they have to have. And then the end result is the success of the medal, the award or whatever. And so for me, financial freedom is the reward, the medal um, that I get from being um, disciplined with my resources. Mm -hmm. Spoken like a true kindergarten teacher would say it. <laughs> I love it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Spoken like somebody, as like you said, walking in financial freedom. <laughs> right. Right. You made it clear, or you made it plain, and you made that thing happen, honey. Yes. <laughs> right. mm -hmm. So, so I would, for me, I would define it as being able to live out your purpose without financial strain. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't think it's from my experience. I don't think it's necessarily tied to an amount. Um, because everybody's situation is different, you know what may, may what may create financial freedom to me would make some may make someone else feel poor. But if if you if you're able to put a plan together and, and maintain the discipline that allows you to live your purpose without financial strain, I think that's what financial freedom means to me. Yes. Mm. Okay. Okay. Again, processing. Mm -hmm. I, say, I like the way you process. Let me, let me take some notes while I'm processing. <laughs> right. <a few> notes. <laughs> audience, let me just say this to the audience. Um, I hope y'all have a pen and some paper or your notebook, your tablet or whatever, so that y'all can take down some of these nuggets of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how, how have you all experienced working with clients working within your families, um, your own lived experiences? How have you experienced the mindsets and behaviors around money shift across generations? Am I going first on this one? I got you. Uh, so you, you said based on our own experiences and dealing with clients. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'll start with my own experiences first. Um, I think the generational shift that has occurred with, with just my family is going back to my grandmother, because that, that's, that's as far back as I can go from a, from an intimate relationship of remembering. Um, she did everything that she knew based on the education she had. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think mm -hmm. her, from her, her role was to make sure a roof was over everybody's head, make sure that food was on the table. And she did that. She did an immaculate job at it. She, she was a rock of our family. Um, and then I think her children, my mom and my uncles, I think 
their mindset was to create a better opportunity for us than they had, right? And then I think my generation, myself and some of my cousins included, I'm only child. So um, I think our mindset was the first one around like creating generational wealth or creating um, an opportunity to like to really leave something behind um, with the information and access that we have today. Um, from a client experience, I've seen that people my age, well, now let's, let's throw age out. People that I've had the opportunity to work with, the ones that have foundational principles that were laid, they are much further ahead than those who have had to kind of figure it out on their own and go through the knee scrapes. Um, because it's, it's funny, some of the things that I'm doing now, I have a daughter and, you know, I feel like the things that we're implementing when she gets in a space, hopefully a long time from now where she has kids, I think it's going to be like, dad, what was that that you did for me? You know, because she's going to remember when she's, if she decides to go to college, there's going to be something there for her to pull from outside of student loans. When mm -hmm. she gets ready to, um, embark on a union and purchase a first home, there's going to be something in place to make sure that. She's not having to go into a ton of debt for that. So I think creating those things, because I've seen it from my clients, you know, I've seen people be in a situation where when they get out of college, there's already a bucket of money there to put towards a down payment on a house. So it's not about them mm -hmm. having to make a certain dollar amount to move forward in life. It's already there, you know. And then I've seen the other side where, you know, even I'm, I'm a black male and there are numerous times where we may see or have the person in our lives we want to spend the rest of our life with, but we feel like I got to be at a certain place before mm -hmm. I'm even able to get there. I got to get my house in order before I'm able to lead, lead my own with someone else. And so yeah, um, th those are some of my experiences just seeing not only, not only mind shift, but just a foundation that's already there. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. The foundation piece, definitely. Yeah. What are you in your example, DA, you said, you know, like having a trust fund or having uh, those resources that could be used for a deposit on a house. But like in terms of the principle, what are some mm -hmm. of those like wh what's one foundational foundational principle that you believe was like seated in those households of the clients that you've had where they've had those? Um, that access and cushion? Uh, I, I think lifestyle, um, like you, mm -hmm. I think we talked about earlier, saving. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the people that I've had the opportunity to work with that have done well. They're not, they don't have to drive the best looking car or have the most expensive um, items, garments on. You know, I've, I, I've had a client that drove a Honda Accord and, you know, made seven figures. You would mm. never known it. So they smart. They, they smart. They smart. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And you know, we Got it. as a as a race, we've been consumers mm. more than more than owners. Mm. Right. So just I would yeah. say that would be the shift in the mind. That's it right there. Yeah. Um, being being ownership versus consumership. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. Good question. Yeah. What would you add to that, um, Jamil? Um, for me, generationally, um, I can even step back to my great grandparents, um, but there was never any money to pass along. Like my mm. great grandfather 
worked in the cotton fields. And so when he passed away, there was no money to pass along. And um, back then, because I mean, he was born in 1909. And so um, he didn't have access to life insurance policies and things like that. So there was nothing to leave, right? Um, same thing with my grandmother. My grandmother um, came from a time, she was born in the 1930s, where um, they didn't trust um, other people to have access to their monies. And they also didn't trust if a life insurance policy was really going to do what it said it was going to do, right? Yeah. So then I fast forward to my dad, who was born in 48, 1950s, um, who now, you know, was working and providing for a family. And um, my mom actually passed away when I was 17. And just in me being an adult and learning about financial literacy, I said, Dad, why didn't mom have life insurance? And dad said, we only could work to make enough money to pay for you all to live in this house right there was no extra and so um you know now I look at my dad he's 75 and he does not have life insurance um he has made good choices with his money and it's really funny it wasn't until I actually um started taking financial literacy courses coming back having conversations that's part of this piece having conversations with him this was all new information to him at 60 right this is mm. first time he's ever hearing any of these things so one thing I had to decide was that I could not fault my parents my grandparents my great-grandparents because they didn't know they don't they didn't have it you know and here it was my dad had worked 35 years he had retired from a career with a pension which is what he was taught to do um yep. and still at 60 didn't have the information on creating generational wealth for me and my siblings, his grandchildren, right? Mm -hmm. Just getting that information just here mm -hmm. within the last 15 years. So yeah. 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 There's man, there's just so much to unpack there. I'm 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 curious to know, um, is there something that even from your personal experience or your experiences working with your clients, is there something that that you that you know is a tried and true strategy method that people don't know a whole lot about um, and how they can utilize whatever that is. What, what's that thing that we don't know that we need to know in order to make any of this work? I think like DA said earlier, it's mindset. Everybody that I've dealt with, it has been mindset, right? Um, when I could shut down the social media and I always use this illustration of a pair of Jordans, right? And I show people um, what a pair of Jordans can maximize to as an investment for that same $200, what that can look like five years from now for you and your family. And I have a simple conversation. There's that number. Here's what the Jordans are. What do you want? Right? Mindset, right? The Jordans are cute and they, you know, that's clean, but do <laughs> would you rather than have these shoes have this amount of money or these resources or access for your children, your family, whatever, to be able to do these things. So, mm -hmm. so I'm I, I got I'm gonna say something else, but I in reference to your Jordan stat, we we actually had this conversation with some kids at the school 
Um, and in 1984, when Jordan first signed with Nike, I think uh, stock in Nike was like 58 cents a share. And if you would have bought a thousand dollars worth of Nike share in 1984, you would have a, you would have seven figures right now because Nike. The last time I looked, it was like 180 something a share. Um, when you think about the compound interest that you would gain over that over that time frame, I mean that was about 39 years ago. Um, it would be crazy. But even what I said earlier, the consumer consumership versus versus ownership. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't I don't know if there's a there's a hack or uh, like a secret because when it comes to money it's, it's about the discipline and the intentionality but I'll, I'll just use this example of what I want to say um, Mikhail as you know um, I'm, I'm in Birmingham Alabama and if you're a basketball fan the NCAA tournament we're hosting one of the um, the first round matchups and so it's going to be a ton of people in the city for the game everybody's excited so just for role play purposes Mikhail if you were a diehard college basketball fan and you were in town and I was going to take you to the game so you can go see your favorite team play. But I got, you know, I, I came, you know, we got there late and, you know, we're rushing to get in. When we enter the arena, what is the first thing you're going to do? Enter the arena, first thing you do. If you I'm going to check the score. I'm going to check the score. See the score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing when it comes to money. A lot of times we may not be in the situation we want to be in and we're, we're, we're scared to face it, whether that's credit budget or whatever so i think knowing the score and you know the steps that we talk to our clients about it as far as knowing the score before you begin everything before you say i need to save this amount of money or i need to do this pull your last 90 days of bank statements if you want to see what's important to you check that bank statement and they're gonna show you. y'all right. preaching y'all on my toes mind your business. Mind your business. and 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 so from there you're going to identify where your dollars go yeah. And mm. categorize, categorize those transactions, and then you know how much you spend, and then from there you got to set meaningful but doable goals, mm-hmm. right? If you if you see the last three months I've averaged spending thousand dollars dining out every month, and then you say I'm I'm gonna create a budget where I'm only gonna spend one hundred and fifty. That might not be doable that first month because you've created a lifestyle that you're used to, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're about to go meal prep and plan, you know. Uh, and so that's where we start. Find meaningful but doable numbers, and then you find a systematic approach to to facing that budget. You know, early on, I would say weekly. You know, um, my wife and I sit down uh, Tuesdays are typically our day to go through the budget because that's the transactions from the weekend have gone through, mm-hmm. and we look at not only what's come out but what are we forecasting because each month is different. You don't spend more money in December around the holidays than you may spend in March, right? So we every month face the month as it, you know, well, not face the month as it's coming. We're proactive in looking out, um, you know, to see what's going on. Like right now we're in April, you know, about to get in May as April comes just to make sure we're on the right page. So mm-hmm. that that would be the, the steps I would tell people to start with. Yeah. Let me just say this. I'm, this show is over because I we're going to have to just go ahead and shut all of this down because y'all have just given us the into everything talk about y'all don't know the hacks that's that is that's intentionality that is this is what you need to do y'all need to be looking at your stuff and i'm and i just when you said that i thought "Mm, i don't want to (laughs) i mean you know i'm being serious like i I don't want to because i know what it's going to say and then i have to face where i've been spending my money for the past 90 days Mm. and i want to look at that yeah Mm -hmm. 
So I have to change my own mindset about looking at my bank statements. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> mm-hmm. <laughs> we take a deep breath on that one. Where's right. my water? <laughs> and I mean, it almost sounds like getting to a place of acceptance, right? And like, I've learned that acceptance is not it. It's not a valuation of it being good or bad. Acceptance is, it just is, right? When you think of anyone shout out to anyone in any type of recovery for any type of addictions, right? Like the first step is just acknowledging whatever your issue is. And from that place of acknowledgement and acceptance, then you can move forward. Like you can try to avoid the fact that you overspend and that's the way that you comfort yourself, right? Because you're not protecting your healing environment. You can try to avoid that, but it's, it doesn't take away the fact that that that's still a challenge for you. Yep. So Yeah. Y'all are, y'all are preaching. I've heard both of you use this word discipline. How do you, like, how do you define discipline? I I would say like universally. And does that definition change when you apply it to money? Um, For me, discipline in very short um, is, making the right choice to reach your goal, right? Um, One of the things I do, I don't buy combo meals anymore. I don't, I refuse. I I, I sit behind people in the line at the drive-thru and you know, their stuff is still on the screen. And when I see $15 for a combo meal, it just does something to me, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, my discipline is I have choices, right? I have the choice to get the combo meal or I have the choice mm-hmm. to order the small fry, which used to be the medium fry, but now they call it small. Um, <laughs> the small fry and the double stack for three eighty nine, right? Mm-hmm. And then I have my bottle of water in my car with me. Um, and so because I have a goal, I have somewhere that I'm trying to get to. And so for um, me, that's that's the discipline, right? Just making the best choice for where I'm trying to be. Mm-hmm. I was I was tempted to Google the definition of discipline because I just want to see what it what it said. But I, I would define it as for, for me specifically. Um, doing what I know I'm supposed to, even when I don't feel like it. Come on. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, when I'm talking to people about money, I'm always using the example of the gym, right? Because you, you have to go through resistance every time you go into the gym in order to get some positive impact. And then when you get to the point where I'm not sore anymore, I can handle this weight or this, now you got to go a higher level in order to get to a higher level of results, whether you feel like it or not. Mm-hmm. So that that that's how I define. Y'all must have some microphones in my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we have these conversations all the time. The discipline and the spending, thinking yeah. about you know what what does this look like today? Where are we trying to go? We got to mm-hmm. pay this debt. Like these mm-hmm. conversations are frequent, and yeah. I mean you know and needed. I mean if we're not talking about it, then we are absolutely not doing anything about it. So yeah. we, we have the conversation. Where are we trying yeah. to go? Where mm-hmm. where is it that we want to see ourselves in 10 years? My husband is on this this I am retiring in 10 
years. I am retiring in 10 years. So whatever got to happen within the next five, it's got to be the setup because I am retiring in 10 years. I don't know what you're doing, but I am going to retire in 10 years. And I'm thinking, okay. I mean, I'm on the same page. Well, I'm in the same book. I might not necessarily be on the same page all the time, but we are definitely in the same book. So y'all are, y'all are, y'all are preaching something here today. So I appreciate it. I have a a quick question today. How how do you guys define retirement? Um, Oh, in multiple ways. So being um, one way, we're, we're definitely zero debt or very little debt. If, if any at all, we really don't want any debt. And then just having the room to just do the things that, you know, traveling, just doing some things we want to do, um, you know, making sure that we have a, a trust and uh, we've done estate planning, all that stuff, it, you know, all those things are set up so that when and if those, it's not even if, when those times come that it's it's there, we, it's all laid out. We don't, there's no questions about it. So I mean, we think about it in multiple ways, or we define it in multiple ways. Gotcha. I'm just mm-hmm. curious because you yeah, said ten yeah. years I'm retiring in. Well, I like he to got learn. A, listen. He got a plan. He got a plan, and he's sticking to that plan. Okay. I have heard nothing other than ten years <laughs> countdown to retirement. I get that's it. Listen, that's a blessing. Being disciplined, as 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 y'all right. as y'all stated, and I, yes. I think that. Discipline also pairs with consistency. There's a pastor that I love, Pastor Jerry Flowers. He said, consistency is discipline on repeat. So mm-hmm. like, come on, Jamil, it's not just going through the drive-through mm-hmm. one time and making that choice. It's like every, it's every every, making the right choices towards your goal every time. Yep. Consistent. Because the one time you, the one time you stumble, that could trigger uh mm-hmm. you know it's easy when wow. you do it one time well that hey that didn't hurt that that tasted so good i'm gonna let me do it again this one time right and then yep yep no nah, that's good Mikhail. i like that yeah. <laughs> i like that and eventually you get to the point where um you don't desire it as much i um i love shoes i was could be classified as the shoeaholic yeah, yeah. and yeah. um and I got to a point where one day we were moving and, you know, you get tired of packing stuff. And I was like, I'm just going to throw some of these shoes out. This is don't have time. And um, I mean, but I regularly bought shoes, like regularly as the seasons change. And when I, the move, how many I threw out, how much that cost. I just got to the point where I said, I'm done buying shoes every season, right? Nobody remembers what I had on last spring anyway. That <laughs> part, yeah. So there we go, right? And so now I'm at the point where I don't even miss those things. I don't, I, I'm not running to see what's coming out, right? They all hurt anyway. Um, <laughs> my mindset is, when is it time for me to get my new insoles from my chiropractor? For my shoes so mm. that they can all give mm. me comfort, right? Because yeah. um, you get to a point where cute is cute, but comfort is cuter than cute. Yeah, you get to yeah. a point where some things, you know, you just, you don't miss them anymore once you know what the goal is and you're working toward it. Right. And then you hate to be disciplined and work through all of that and then just blow it because then you feel a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. You know, like, man, I worked so hard and now I just gave it up and got to start over. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. You so, um, both have kind of talked about this idea of generational wealth. So I'm, I'm, I'm just curious if you all can kind of unpack that a little bit more, the idea of, of, you know, how do we build this generational wealth? What's the difference between being rich and being wealthy? Like, what is that? What does all of that mean? To me, I'm, I, I, I'll preface it that way. Um, when I when I think about the term rich, or I think about if someone is rich, to me, I'm just thinking about monetary value, high paying job, a lot of money. Um, depending on what someone's standards is, but when I think about the term wealth. Um, I think about from a monetary standpoint, and I'm going to tell you what wealth means to me, but I think it's, it's, it's more than just money, it's, it's assets, it's things that can be passed. And as you think about terms, wealth transfer, generational wealth, I think it's, it's someone amassing these things over time that they can pass along to, to their loved ones or, you know, charities or things of that nature. How I define wealth, especially I, I'm, a, I'm a millennial, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still relatively young. But I think the space I'm in in life, how I, what's wealthy to me is things that money can't provide, can't mm. buy. So like that's family, that's my time, um, yeah. that's peace. Come you on, know, it, it, my daughter may say something to me, and I'm just like, man, I'm so wealthy, you know. Um, so that that's how I define it. But just in regards mm. to to finances, I I think wealth is. It's something that, that can be transferred and passed along where I feel like rich is just monetary value. Mm-hmm. Money can't be passed now. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah. For sure. Yeah. For me, um, rich, like DA said, you know, to me, I think about monetary things. I also think about rich is how other people see you. Mm. Um, okay. Okay. And wealth is what are you doing to improve and help the people around you Mm, okay um so for me you know when i think about generational right i have a two-year-old okay um you know my husband and i made sure that you know we got life insurance on us we're gonna die everybody's gonna check out right um, and so to know the peace of mind that we have with the comfort that if we do check out for her, she's going to be fine. And the ease and the comfort of knowing that allows me, like DA said, to embrace the moments right now, right? When she wants to go outside and play soccer in the front yard, you know, we too, we got a little ball, we trying to do something. Um, I can allow myself to stop my time, right, to go and take advantage of those moments because um, I'm I'm realizing very quickly how fast they go by and how you can't get those things back. And losing a parent early, I know how important those things are to Mm -hmm. me. You know, that's all I have left are my memories. It doesn't matter that she didn't leave me a dollar. But the wealth comes in what I have left from the time she was able to share with me. And so when I think about rich and wealthy, right, um, you know, because I always think about why do we buy the stuff we buy? Why do we get Gucci bags? It's no different between a Gucci bag and a Walmart purse. They both going to carry money. Um, But it's what other people, how they view us, right? Mm. And they not giving me a dollar. Do you hear me? (laughs) 
shoes. They may give you a Facebook right. shout out when you go. Right. That's it. No, so rich for me is for other people. Wealthy is uh, what are we doing to build and lift up um, and even create opportunities for others. Hmm. I'm still in that too, by the way, Mr. Still away. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Mm. That's real interesting because I I think sometimes even I see it a lot in generation. What are they? X? No, Z. 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 Mm -hmm. Z. I'm X. What am I talking about? Mm. So (laughs) where they, they are, they're focused on this rich lifestyle or this or the mm-hmm. lifestyle that looks a certain way and I have to image. even the I mean the image is everything even if everything they have on is um knockoffs they don't care it's, <laughs> I got on a Gucci belt and Fendi shoes and whatever you know all these things to say look look at me look at this image that i'm portraying that i'm that i'm rich that i that i have all these things and i just wondered like that what is that disconnect like how, what happened like what is the thing that they need to know is really young people like right now you know in their 20s and their teens like what do they need to know mm-hmm. um i know you know the mindset thing for sure but but what is it that they're not necessarily seeing or they're not making a connection with or you know they're not seeing that generational that generational piece. My, my first thought, I feel like I'm doing rapid fire again. Um, based, <laughs> on, based on young people that I've talked to and met with is social media. Um, Internet, like influence. Yeah, we're, we're more of a microwave society where, you know, we want it right now. You know, um, and even when I was young, you know, it, there were people that mentored me or that I looked up to and feedback that I used to get from them was, was like, what you didn't see is when I was your age, Mm-hmm. I was in this situation and it's over time you got to put work in and I'm just now starting to, to experience those types of things like some of the relationships that I have and I'm able to benefit from now started from 10 years of work put in you know um so I would say that because even in my conversations with younger people like they shared things like you know you know I just feel like I'm behind I see such and such doing this online okay. and you know but you just see what they place on a camera most of the time on the internet, we're putting the best best version of ourselves on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we could go back to 4711 and Man. this year's catalog, <laughs> we all be out here looking the same. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So true. Black and white That's TV, true. right? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know what you got on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And true. it doesn't even matter, but it does. In, right. in some instances, it does to some some kids, right. some some of the younger folks. Dripping on the outside, but broke on the inside. Oh, Ooh, broke not down. Just not just the young folks. It'd be folks no. my age plus, but yeah. 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 I mean, because I think the parents are setting that mindset, you know, for them. Um, and I think sometimes because they do work and, and grind so hard, they feel like there's value in just giving things to their kids since they can't have time where if they could simply get the mindset of the shift of how to use money as a tool to get your time, then, you know, we can add some more value there um, yeah. for the kids. Mm. That's a word. That yeah. is a word. Because that's so, the thing. Like a lot of people make a lot of money. 
I mean, mm-hmm. real talk, um, just in my years of experience with people, you know, sometimes I had to tell people, do you know that you make $80,000 a year? Like, do you know, where is it? I don't know where it is. I don't see it. I said, you don't even have 10% of that in a savings account, right? And I oh. tell people, going back to mindset, I always say, think about how hard you work for your money, how you either sit in that cubicle or you pass that coworker you don't like or you own your own dump truck company and you out here in the rain sleep you know what i'm saying how hard mm-hmm. do you work for your money for you not to have it and not know where it is right mm. mcdonald's cannot have my money <laughs> mm. right jordan cannot have my money when i think about how hard i have to work mm-hmm. to get those funds now you just can't have it yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> you just can't have it yeah, great, and great, I, great I like plan. nice things, but yeah. you know, we've talked about strategy. There's a strategy. Yeah, that's the, what I was just about to say. I, right? I didn't want. I, didn't want I love, listen to, I love to travel. I travel all the time, but there's a strategy for how I travel, right? Um, to do things that I enjoy and that you know my family likes, but um, that just kind of goes back to the mindset and the plan. It's okay to have the things that you know, you desire, like, you know, God has a plan for our life. And, um, you know, we just have to follow the plan and the strategy and do the work to be able to get to those things. Yeah. I was just about to say for listeners, we're not saying don't buy anything. We're saying have a plan, you know, Mm -hmm. create, you Mm -hmm. know, for myself, I I like shoes and I still buy them, but I'm, I, I create some type of, I have to accomplish something to get these shoes in. And that's my reward. So, you know, I can get the shoes after I paid myself first and made sure I saved. And if there's something left over from just the strategy that we have, as you were too familiar, now yeah. I can get these shoes. And that feels good because I've yeah. earned it and I don't have buyer's remorse. Yes. Yeah. And when the strategy deal with that or a credit card, it's like, nah, I, mm-hmm. that's when already the paid. Stress I got is strategy. gone from money, it's fun. Mm-hmm. When the stress is gone, it's fun. It's mm-hmm. fun. It's fun for um, to watch, you know, the growth. It's fun to have experiences um, when the stress, right, due to the strategy and the discipline is gone. It's it's fun. Mm. Hmm. Money oh. is fun. Y'all heard that? Yeah. Money is fun. Yeah. That money is fun. So for the, for the, the strategy, <laughs> for the listener right now, that's saying like how right like can't even conceive that because just like they've always they come from an environment of of just living tight right caretakers Mm -hmm. did the best they could with what they had they're living paycheck to paycheck maybe some poor choices not knowing how to even formulate a plan or strategy like what is your just initial response to the listeners like how how can I relieve myself of the weight that doesn't make money fun? I have a lot of fear with money. I have a lot of um, impulse, lack of impulse control with money. How how can I get a strategy and a plan? Um, I, I would say, and shout out to the team. We actually we were talking about this in a meeting, um, team meeting not too long ago, but action is greater than the amount. You got to get started. You you don't ever get in the game. You're guaranteed not to score. Mm. Right. So even when it comes to, I've heard people say, well, I want to start investing, but I don't have enough. 
What do you mean? You can you can invest <laughs> ten bucks. You can invest twenty dollars. I know you got that if you're eating, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I think just getting started, action is greater than the amount. And you know what we try to do with our clients is, you know, our pillars of our organization. It's even on somewhere wherever the logo is up under here. It says uh, exposure, education, execution, and in that order because you know our job is to expose you or. For people listening, you can expose yourself. You have this thing called YouTube University. Um, don't have all the answers, but what I'm talking about, general principles, but please speak with a financial professional uh, if you need to. But, uh, you know, exposing yourself to the information, that that will give you insight, and then you can receive the education once you've been exposed, and then at that point, you're ready to execute. And learning to take advantage of... Um, there are things I feel like people don't know they have access to, but they yep. do. Every bank across the globe has a free financial literacy program. So mm. if you got your money at the bank, you walk in the bank and say, hey, I need to make better choices with my money. I need to come up with a plan because they're holding your money. They can give you access to the financial literacy that every bank provides. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that goes back to action. Um, we we teach a seven um, week financial literacy course. It is completely free to everybody. It doesn't matter. Um, it's a hybrid. So it's online and in person. And so um, I think, you know, just as simply as you can Google. The latest Louis bag, the newest hey, Christian Louboutin. I can Google. Every time I got a question, I got to Google. Like these kids don't even know how blessed they are to have every answer in the world <laughs> that they want to know. Okay. Mm. I go to Google and say, how much do I need to start with an investment? How can I raise my credit score? Like every answer, you know, and I think sometimes we miss it because we'll um, devote so much time, right? Looking up the movie tickets or uh, Googling what's getting ready to come out next when we don't Google the things to help improve ourselves. Hmm. That's so I, powerful. I, I would double down on your statement in regards to the bank um, and just the access you can have at certain banks. I would also recommend any listeners, wherever you hold your money, whatever whoever you bank with, build a relationship with somebody at the bank. Mm -hmm. All right, what the place that all of your dollars go. If you don't know the name of one of the supervisors or employees there, help, help, how, how does that make sense, right? And I, real life experience, I had a check that, you know, it was a, it was okay amount, but it, it wasn't anything alarming, shouldn't have been alarming to the bank. And the bank would not accept the check. And then the person who wrote the check, he had a relationship with his bank. And when I called him, he said, hold on. He called his banker on three-way. The banker said, can I speak to the person that you're in front of? 35 seconds later, I had access to the funds. Hmm. Power mm -hmm. of relationships. Yeah. When you hold your money, it should be definitely be a relationship there. So mm. you said bank. It just made me think about that. Yeah, I mean, they're there to service you. And I think we yeah. don't know that, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't think we know they work for me. I'm giving them money. 100%, they work 100%. for me. <laughs> Y'all think I'm playing when I, I go in the bank and I give me 10 ink pens because they mine. I didn't pay for them. They mine. 
And let me but get this lollipop for my let, daughter. Let's, let's <laughs> circle back to wealth, though, right? Um, you know, bringing the next person up, helping the next person in the community. You know what I do with my 10 pins I get from the bank? Give it to the girl that work at TGI Fridays. Because when you go to restaurants, what they always looking for a pen. So mm -hmm. now she got 10 good, you know, the pens from the bank, they write good. They smooth. <laughs> right. She got 10 good pens, right? Because the bank is a service to me. Y'all holding my money. You work for me. So I'm going to take these pens and I'm giving to her so she can make this money today at TGI Fridays. Hello. And we all can win. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So so since you guys are on, on this topic of, of financial institutions, so one of the things I think, especially within within our within our community, is it's, it's a lack of trust within your financial institution and some of it is i mean it's just historical you know we, we've had all sorts of issues with systems but um you know can we trust our financial institutions and especially given what is currently happening right now with a few of the bank banks in um california um you know can we can we trust these financial institutions um and and why or why shouldn't we use them as advisors or to help us with our investments or estate planning or is maybe there another way in which we need to think about the people that we ask to help us with our investing and and um financial planning but can we can we trust the banks um i i think so my answer is going to be yes but the you also have to have a vetting process i think like jamil said they work for us so what is that interview process Mm -hmm. Right. Even as a financial professional, my first meeting with someone is always going to be called an initial consultation, not just for me, but for them. I want them to see and understand, be able to make a decision on based on the information I give based on our firm's principles. Is this someone that matches is a good fit for me to help coach me or counsel me or advise me on my finances? Um, and the same thing. We've I've, I've had meetings where we mutually agreed that we didn't need to work together. I've had some that went fantastic, but I you just gotta I think you gotta vet the situation, ask good questions, even with the bank. You know, don't just let them tell you what account you should have. What what all accounts do you guys offer? Mm -hmm. You know, what 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 is your current interest rate um, for savings accounts? None of them are really high, but you know. That is a quest question to ask. What happens if X happens? What's your email? Can I contact you? You know, and I mm -hmm. definitely the same when it, when you think about financial professionals. Um, what are going to be the, the deliverables that that you're looking to to get accomplished? And you know, how can they provide them? I think you just got to vet it versus just blindly opening an account and not knowing what it is. You know. And financial literacy um, circles back here too. Um, and I think this all goes back to Googling and the desire to want to know. Uh, one of the things I was reading before um, just kind of getting ready for this session was 47% um, of people of color don't have mainstream banking, which means they're underbanked. So that means they're either living off a of check cash in place or they're living off a child card. That's almost one in every, one in two people of color. Wow. And so we have to look at why is that? Like, why is it that you're not going into a mainstream bank? 
why why is it that you feel like using a chime card to manage your finances is okay right um do you just not know is that the only thing that you're exposed to in your community so that goes back to that financial literacy piece um and also that google component right <laughs> what kind of bank can i use you know for my money you know um but being able to ask those questions and get access to those resources to um you know kind of shift that mindset and candace said earlier you know it costs a lot of money to be poor right and when i think about cash, check, check cashing places mm -hmm. it's expensive mm -hmm. right three four hundred percent have your money in a financial institution mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah but i definitely agree with da i mean it's just like with anything one on a job interview you know you got to vet the folks that's going to work for you and that you're going to have relationships mm -hmm. with especially you know we're talking about one of our most uh, valuable assets mm -hmm. yeah that's what i was about to say is you think about the role we play in people's lives you know we mentioned insurance aspect you know we have an insurance division so if someone has a death in their family and i'm the agent i'm probably going to be second third phone call <laughs> after they talk to family you know when it comes to i'm i've 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 been told by a uh by a spouse by a wife that they were expecting before the husband knew. <laughs> and but that was because it was like she was thinking about financial side of it like mm -hmm. hey we're we about to need you you know we got a baby coming <laughs> and so you know when you're working with somebody around their finances you kind of you kind of share in in the, the triumphs and the and the hardships and making sure there's a plan there so you want that to be yeah. someone that not only you can trust but that in my opinion, that you you enjoy getting an opportunity to talk to. You don't want it to feel like, oh, I gotta talk to this person today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's you the know. fun. That's the fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you gotta have somebody's gonna be honest with you, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and just have some principles. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely important. I love that. Dia, you had mentioned um, a couple of questions ago. You mentioned investing and you were like, you know, you got 10 to $20, you can invest. So for both of you, I think so many people think of investing in the stock market as like a secret society for like certain types of people that may not look like any of us here on this yeah. front porch episode. So is investing a secret society for certain types of people? Or can everyone participate in the stock market? And if so, how can we get in the game? Hmm. And so I said something earlier. I slipped my mind. But to answer your question, yes. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a secret society. I, I think I said language of money, mm -hmm. right? I mm -hmm. think it feels like it because there are terms when you you turn it to CNBC or you, you, know, you go on charles schwab and go on their website there may be terms you should like i don't know what that means mm -hmm. you know what what is that what is this and so even the language of money and what i enjoy about the financial literacy piece that we do as a firm is breaking things down so that they understand it we have fourth graders that we talk to about credit scores and we tell them this it's your adult gpa you know what happens if you come <laughs> home with an a my mama give me some candy give me some money what happens if you have an f i get a whooping you know they'll say something like that and we we show them the spectrum of a credit score. This is an A. This is a B. You know, and we say, okay, what about even high schools? If you have a C, 
if you have a C grade point average, can you pass the next class? Yes, but can you can you choose what college you want to go to, or is it going to be hard to get in some? It's going to be hard. So if you have a C average credit score, you can get access to something, but you're going to pay more for it. Mm -hmm. So I know you asked about investing, but that's mm -hmm. just examples of breaking the language barriers down um, so that there is an understanding to it. But I think what where you start is one when you think about an investment. Um, the definition of an investment is you're you're putting money towards something with with the intention of getting a return on your money, mm -hmm. right? But I think before you just jump in and invest in something, don't take your cousin down to your cousin saying, "Hey, you need to buy stock in this." You need to determine what you have the capacity to do and what's your time horizon for mm. accessing these funds. Mm, okay, right? You know, mm -hmm. you don't you don't want you don't you, you don't want it get into your four hundred one k. And three years later, you're pulling that out to go get some Jordans or a car. That that the, that that's a, an account. It's called qualified. That means it's you're supposed to access this at a certain age after 69 and a half. And there's penalties for taking it out early. So I think determining determining one what your capacity is, no matter how little or or big it is, and, just, and then determine your time horizon. And then that that kind of plays process of elimination. Mm -hmm. um, because based on the time you would like to access these funds, there that'll minimize the list of types of investments that are out there, or investment products that are out there, and you can go from there. But I would definitely speak with a professional, uh, whether, whether it be a, a, a coach, consultant, or somebody on a on a higher level. If you if you're just trying to get in the game, you hit a term financial advisor or wealth management advisor. Um, some of some of those individuals that they, they they're going to want to talk to people that are in certain tax brackets or have a certain amount of what's called investable assets but i think the basics of it someone like some i was about to say someone like jamil you might say i don't want to talk about investments i don't know but, uh just someone in a space that's teaching financial education mm -hmm. can talk to you about the principles i think it's still a financial literacy um mm -hmm. topic as mm -hmm. well you know well da be real deep and y'all know I be real kindergarten. Um, <laughs> Best of both worlds. So here's what I tell when my clients walk in and we're at, because we have to get to a point of investment, right? Mm. Um, we're developing what we call a financial portfolio. I use another word called a spending plan. That's what we're doing. We're developing a spending plan for, you know, where do you want to be in three years, five years, 10 years, 20, right? Right. Um, and so when I talk to people about investments, uh, you know, that word kind of, you know, scares people. Right. It's not familiar. It's not something they hear day to day. I tell them an investment is a savings account where someone is saving with you. If you mm -hmm. go to the bank and put your money in, in a savings account, you're the only person saving. When you are putting your money in an investment account, someone else is saving matching funds that type of thing for you it's pretty much the same right i'm saving money whether it's at the bank or at the investment bank i call that an investment bank but over here at the investment bank somebody gonna save with me we're working as a team to grow money when mm. i'm just saving at my regular bank i'm beyond there's no team members it's just me and my money so, um, you know, when I talk about investment, that's kind of the very, my kindergarten version of um, how that, you know, 
the, the mindset, right? Because we're still talking about mindset. People here save all the time. We started this conversation out about saving. We, you know, we had a piggy bank at four. We know about saving. So here's an opportunity for me to save money with someone else. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm kind of curious what, you know, we're talking about investments and, and all that and, and assets. So I'm just kind of curious because there's so many ways in which we think about assets and value um, and, and ownership. And you talked about ownership versus consumership and, and all that. So I'm just, I'm curious to hear you all's thoughts on um, the value of home ownership. Does it still carry the same weight, the same value? Does it, you know, does it still, I mean, it kind of, it gives people all the feels and all that, but I mean, is it as important as it used to be? Is it considered an asset? Home. Well, since I'm a real estate professional, I'm going to jump in. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. I got something too. Um, and so, you know, and ZA would start the question, yes, it is still good. It is still good. Um, I tell people all the time, my, my real estate clients, I say, um, you know, owning property has been around since George Washington, right? It's not going to go anywhere. It has been here since the beginning of civilization before him, right before him. But um, the the value in owning um, a piece of land, a piece of property is that, you know, from the 1800s, this is like a guarantee on a return that it is going to constantly increase. We've watched it. You know, and so um, I tell people all the time and we're going to circle back to um, how we talked about earlier about how hard you work for your money. And I do a comparison with people, you know, ownership versus renting and leasing. Mm. Um, And, you know, I'll show people a house and I'll say, you know, twenty thousand dollars a year. You have to have somewhere to live, period. We all know that. Right. Mm -hmm. Living in a tent or you living in a structure. Um, and so, um, you know, if you own a home, right, it, it, we've, we've talked about it, investment, you're saving money, you're living in a place and you're saving money for, like DA says, a period of time, right? When your time horizon comes to collect, you're just saving money, right? Um, if you decide to rent or lease, it's going to be that same $20,000, And this goes back to mindset. How hard did you work for it? You're Mm. giving that money to someone else to take a vacation, take their kids to Disney, buy the latest (laughs) Jordans. So I tell people, ask yourself, do you want to fund somebody else's future or do you want to fund your own? And so Mm -hmm. in owning property, um, that is definitely a type of investment where we've seen since the beginning of time that it's going to continue to increase in value. Mm. I'm, I'm glad Jamil was deep there because I'm going to be brief. Um, <laughs> my, my, my realtor um, shared this with, with my wife and I, and he shared it in a uh, presentation that I saw him do not too long ago. So shout out Justin Williams, Just In Time Realty. Give him a shout out for this. But um, homeowners, according to the Federal Reserve, homeowners have a 40 times higher net worth than renters. Yep. Hmm. That's my answer. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Boom. 
I think so it, I think there's a time valuable. and place to rent, but yeah, it yeah. does. It's still a valuable asset. Yeah, mm-hmm. you get on land, and they're not making any more of that. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay. So go out and y'all heard them, audience. Go out and get you a little piece of property, get you some land somewhere. Figure out where that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Invest, save your pennies, change your mindset. Look, I got it. I got it. I'm. Mm-hmm. Put it all down. I got notes. Well, and also, I just want to share this. I had a client one time where um, some sisters and their father had bought 40 acres of land for $500. Swamp land, no value in it to him, right, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, here we were now selling 30 years after when the father had purchased. Wow. And it it was some kind of reserve that was some kind of nature reserve coming into that area, right? And you talking about big money, right? Yeah. And there was nothing to do. All they've done is pay $26 a year on tax wow. on 40 wow. acres of land. That is it. And when you talk about got paid, got paid, right? Yes. And so mm. even when and this goes back to consulting with a professional but also what da said they ain't making no more land so when you see it and it's for sale and you feel like it's at a fair market value price you know even if it may be a little over at this moment um you know all we can see is what time has done right to show increase i think about when you look at stores now walmart's and dollar generals if if you really know what was there before that a lot of that was farmland Especially um, Dollar General. Yeah, especially Dollar General. They, <laughs> you can tell where they build the Dollar General's at. Um, and you talking about money, right? Yeah. Mm. Land. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay for the land. Whew, child. Listen, I know, right? <laughs> so y'all already changing mindset. Y'all getting we, excited. We need a part two. For real. For real. I, I feel in my spirit there are there are listeners that are like, I would love to work with someone like Jamil. I would love to work with someone like DA. I would love to work with someone for, for Black people specifically. I'm not even going to do the catch-all people of color. I'm talking about Black folks specifically. I would love to work with someone who looks like me, someone who is so relatable, someone who's down to earth, someone who's going to share their experience and their stories um, as like a learning tool for me. Is there like, is there a directory of like, how, how can black folks find black financial advisors, consultants, coaches, like across, across the nation? Like y'all going to give your information. We're going to link it. Right. But like, Mm -hmm. Where would people, Jamil might say, Google it, but yeah. <laughs> he would say, do an initial consult with them, vet them. Yeah. <laughs> but is there like a, a um, place? I'll be honest, for me, I found mine at church. Um, mm. I was 29, and, um, you know, a lot of the deacons at our church, you know, do something. They, that's why they deacons, right? They're connected to <laughs> And so, um, that's where like my church offered a financial literacy class when i got there i met the financial advisor right he was a member of the church 
Mm. Um, I did not spend a dollar to discuss, you know, anything with him to, to acquire financial literacy. Um, and then that person was able to connect me to my tax professional. That mm. person connected me to my black attorney. That person uh, uh, connected me with my black insurance agent, right? Yeah. And so um, now for me, you know, my people that come through and that's what they're looking for, I connect them based on that network that connected me. So for me, it was at church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was trying to think of a place you could just go search that, you know, they have, you know, different networks or different like groups here and there. But I, I think to Jamil's point is relationships. And, you know, I, I will say that, you know, while it's growing, it's grown a lot. I'm, I'm, I have 10, 10, 10 plus years in financial services now. Um, that's wild even saying that. But anyway, um, <laughs> we still make up less than 1% of the market. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and so for me, that's why I'm, that's why I'm so passionate about this. Um, you know, my wife said this a while back. She, you know, this was years ago when I was first beginning. She was like, I know you, I know you like this because the amount of your your passion for it is not tied to the amount of money you're making. Hmm. And that that's really the driver of what forces people out of this business, um, especially with like us. They will be passionate about it, they see the benefit of it. But for us, there's there's just this level of education we have to provide even to black people that make a lot of money mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. they will move forward on things. And so you gotta, you just gotta survive that, that window. And I know that's not what you're asking, but no, um, I, I think even the way Jam Jamil explained it, like all those things were relationship based, right? She met somebody at church. There was probably already some trust established, mm -hmm. right? And once they connected, he was able to point her out to people. And you are, you guys know the power of relationships. You know, if Mikhail tells me I need to speak with somebody, like I'm going to call them that day yeah. because of how solid of a relationship that I've been able to build with Mikhail, you know? And so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I would say, I would, I would tell somebody if that's what they're thinking towards um, and they don't want to come to IMT Financial Consulting, um, <laughs> to, 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 to think about someone that, that they maybe admire from a professional standpoint and just maybe take and grab a cup of coffee and maybe outline some of the things you're trying to accomplish and what are the best things to do. Mm. You know, I know we do everything on, you know, phones and texting and stuff, but, you know, I think it's some good to sometimes still get in front of people, look them in their eyes and, That's good. and be able to speak as, as adults to each other, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. And, and like DA said, those relationships are so important. I remember when we were starting um our business right and everybody know you get nervous you don't want to go to the bank and ask for money because they're gonna tell you no right gotta have business plan gotta have all that um but based on relationships um i had met the vp of the bank um okay. who didn't do business loans right he he ran the bank but that relationship was a phone call to the commercial lender that said hey they're good whatever just make it happen mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and even me a person who you know financial literacy financial literate have taken care of my business as far as it comes to finance i was still nervous to go to the bank and ask for money which and it was crazy because it's like the money i was asking for i really already got in assets but i need to borrow yours because i gotta do some things mm 
Uh-huh. Me, let me leverage your dollars. Yeah. Uh, but I think from a cultural standpoint, right? Like I was nervous, but um, you know, the relationship brought that ease. And and what was so crazy is that the only reason I knew him was because I had gone to that financial literacy class and he had presented. Like I didn't like know him, know him, right? I just mm-hmm. was in the class. And so um definitely. Um, you know, establishing those relationships kind of open gateways to other areas too. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. Man, this has been, listen. I know. I don't even I mean, know what to say. This we didn't have diversity planning. I know, I know. We're we're so like over time and I, I you know, we absolutely appreciate um, you all spending the few extra minutes um and we didn't get to that one question about legacy planning um which is important i know jamil you talked about that whole the whole idea of like we we gonna check out so we we gonna have to come up with some kind of plan for what we're gonna do what we're gonna leave how we're gonna take care of folks um and maybe maybe that's just some stuff that we can resources or some things that we can um share with the either of you have the audience do either of you have Four and a half, maybe five minutes more. Yeah. Yeah. You said legacy planning, so what? What I want to hear that question actually. I think. Can oh, okay. Half to five minutes. Uh, yes. Planning question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, okay. if we, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's let's fit that in. That's important. Okay, so, so what, yeah, what's that question? What is legacy planning, and how do we begin and maintain the plan? Okay. When I think about when I think about legacy planning, um, a script comes to mind. Habakkuk two, verses two through four. Come on, write son. the plan. <laughs> write the write the vision. Make it plain. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. go on to uh, verse four, it says the 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 vision is for an appointed time. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that's where you start. Mm-hmm. And to me, you outline what what is the legacy I want to leave while I'm here. And then I'm gonna give another shout out my business partner Isaac Cooper. He talks about any type of. Pr- protection planning, insurance, estate planning, long-term planning is showing showing your loved ones that you love them without being able to see their reaction to it. Mm. All right. So I think you write you write that plan, you write that plan out as we said plan probably 20 times. <laughs> you create a plan and you create a strategy to execute it, but you also get your financial house in order in the event that you're no longer going to be here as well. And then you got a plan in place for why you're here to go execute. And then when you transition, because it's a hundred percent, but we don't know when that's going to be right. Mm-hmm. But when that time comes, if we have our ducks in a row, the, the, the overall plan is executed and your grand, your great, great grandkids know who you are because of the things you did for your family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love yeah. it. And I think, um, you know, looking back over time, you know, we've said a lot about mindset. Um, and I, I can remember when my grandmother passed away and them talking about we got enough. We had we had the burial policy. That's enough to, to put it in the ground. Right. Mm. But that's it. I, I don't get nothing. It's not that we just going to put it in the ground. Right. So there's enough for that. Um, and you know, really what's so sad is what I've seen in our culture. You know, we don't we don't even have a burial policy anymore. We're doing GoFundMe's. Don't get um, me started. Don't get me started. Try to put it <laughs> on the ground yeah. and and just from then I'm gonna say it because I'm gonna say it because I'm gonna say it, 
um, you know, if we struggling trying to get 19 grand to put somebody in the ground, what's wrong with spending, you know, one grand to turn them into some ashes and investing 18 grand for some legacy on mm. out, right? You know, mm. um, and I know to each his own with that, but mm. when you're talking about strategy and uh creating generational wealth and establishing that, right? You taking 19 grand to put somebody in the ground, but what happens when the next person dies? Now you need 19 more grand to put somebody else in the ground, right? So, um, you know, mindset over time has definitely um, shifted. And like we talked about the microwave right now, right now. But um, like you said, you know, legacy planning is about thinking um, about what's later, right? I'm going to do what I'm going to do while I'm here. I am. And I'm going to make sure those things happen. I'm going to take care of those. But what is it that I want for my daughter? What is it that I want for her kids? And and check this out, right? Because I talked about earlier, the people around you, what do I want in place for her network, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I leave mm-hmm. the company for her, I want mm-hmm. to ensure that the network is going to continue to grow too and not just her. Yeah. You said something. I, I, I saw a stat last week. Speaking of leaving some something behind, the stat was forty uh, percent of business owners do not have a transition plan in place. Mm-hmm. You put all of your blood, sweat, and tears into something, and there's not even yeah, anything in you. place to say your kids don't want don't want to take over the company. What like what's the plan? So again, mm-hmm. we 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 get so caught up in the now. It's easy to not think about later, but it comes fast. I think we talked about kids earlier, and we like, <laughs> the time goes by so fast. Same thing. You're going to look up, and it's 10 years have passed by. Mm. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. I love this has been this has been wonderful. Um, it just All makes right. me think about so many different things and so many different ways in which we need to think about our money and financial health and wellness and how that really impacts so many other aspects of our lives and and the folks around us their like their lives as well and so there's just so much to learn so much to unpack i know we are totally way over time but i absolutely appreciate um just all of the wisdom that you all have shared because you've given me a lot to think about and i'm sure that um our listeners will have a lot to think about and um hopefully will find themselves a financial planner or advisor or something somebody to go talk to but if they cannot find somebody in their own area, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> if they can't find somebody in their own area, there are two people on the Front Porch podcast who I'm right sure now. right now mm-hmm. can help you mm-hmm. with all of your financial planning. Yes, coast to coast. We oh, all okay. around the okay. globe. Okay. Not okay. A, not a Zoom yeah. is a thing. Yep. Yep. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We got email away. That's all. Text how can, DM. How can people how can people reach out to you, um, Jamil? So I'm on all social media platforms. Jamil Thomas um, is who I am out there. Um, Thomas Legacy Services is, of course, our um, company. So you Google either one of those, you'll find us. It's not too many Jamils out here. I've learned. <laughs> I should be like Beyonce. I should just go by the first name. Just <laughs> when you go by your first name, that's when you made it. When everybody knows you go by your first right. name. 
Um, and we'll link we'll link Jamil's information in the description too. But DA, what about what about you, good sir? Uh, so the, the company website is uh planningimc.com. Um I'm on all social media platforms as well. Uh either DA O'Neill or um like Instagram, Twitter, DA underscore O'Neill. And yep, we are we are available. We got a team of specialists, even outside of myself. So um, we we like to think we have we have someone uh, on our team that's a specialist that can help and meet you wherever you are um, financially. Because our mantra is um, touch it touch uh, I say touch every tax bracket, but we 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 create financial solutions for those in all tax brackets. I love it. I love it. Thank y'all. This this really has been nourishing. Y'all have dropped gems and bars. Thank you for what you're doing. The example that you're setting within your own families and how you're transforming the families that are connected to you. So thank you so much. Thank y'all for listening to this episode of the Front Porch Podcast. Go over your notes and then holla at Jamil and holla at DA to help you plan, strategize, and execute with discipline and get your mindset right. (laughs) Right. See y'all. Thank you for listening to the Front Porch Podcast where we have intimate intergenerational conversations. Resources and other goodness from this episode are in the description. Please share, subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll see you next week on The Front Porch.